This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. This is Bob Asman, your host, and welcome back to our listening audience for another great podcast in our series about All Things Considered CX. Today, we have a wonderful guest with us to share her journey through the CX profession and many of the great things that she's doing in her day-to-day work. I'd like to welcome Allison Circle. And Allison, uh, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, Bob. Thanks so much for having me on. I always enjoy spending time with you. It's a bright part of my day. I am the Customer Experience Officer, Chief Customer Experience Officer at Columbus Metropolitan Library. The library is one of the largest and most ambitious libraries, uh, public libraries in the United States, I like to think. We are often named the best library in the United States. And one of the reasons for that is we have forward-thinking leadership. I am the only chief customer experience officer in public libraries. And I am one of very few people leading libraries who is not a librarian. Because of those two things, I think we've been able to do some extraordinary work with my team and really happy to be here today to talk about that. That's great. And I guess I didn't realize, Allison, until you just said it, that you are the only CXO among the libraries across the country. I I think there's a customer experience manager or two, but I think as we get into this conversation, the same thing has happened there that happens in organizations is it sounds like a really great idea. People get hired into that role, but there's not the structural support to enable the work that those roles want to accomplish. So people get frustrated and leave. Mm. Yes, I do want to explore that with you. Let's begin though. Our listeners always enjoy hearing the journeys of CX professionals. And, you know, maybe today CX professionals think about getting certificates and going to school to learn about it, but perhaps when we were starting to begin our careers in customer experience, we didn't wake up one day and said at college, hey, I want to be a customer experience professional. So what, what was your journey to, to where you are today from a career path standpoint? Well, I love to tell the story of that because it is a wild and crazy ride that um, <laughs> never would have predicted I got to this point. But I always say everything I have done in my past enabled me to embrace this role and be what I I think is successful in it. And I'm going to start by citing one of my favorite um, artisans is the composer John Adams. And I read his autobiography and he said something that I felt was really powerful, which is that to be a creative person or to deliver an idea, 
it's uh, the crux is with two things and it's synthesis and discipline. And throughout my life, I've been able to synthesize all that I am exposed to, but the discipline to shape it into what is needed at that moment. And I think as you, as I talk through my, my career here, you'll see that, but my um, real ambition early on was I wanted to be an English professor. And I was in my PhD program and a number of factors occurred that really disillusioned me in that course. And I, um, in a fit of peak, I went from the ivory tower to about as opposite as you could get. And I worked at a rape crisis center for five years. And I, I would say that the work in my PhD program and English literature is about storytelling. My work at the crisis center was about listening and about advocacy, finding paths for people forward and being, it really at that very moment, an important experience for people who were in crisis. I also um, kept my love of writing and ran a small fine printing press for a while where I published a lot of independent authors for quite a number of ways I was working um, as well as working on my fine arts degree and designing all of these materials and actually received several national uh, grants and awards for that work. And then I got tired of that and decided uh, I did kind of that classic, my husband and I have been watching reruns of Mary Tyler Moore and I kind of did that classic thing. And I actually, in my car, drove my things up to Minneapolis and took some time off to recover from a really stressful position, moved in uh, and became a marketing director at Minnesota Public Radio, uh, which is one of the premier public broadcasters in the United States. And I became in the role of marketing all those programs, telling the story about all those programs to public uh, broadcasters throughout the United States. I had the distinct honor there of, um, for anyone who's listening who knows Garrison Keeler, I in particular worked closely with Garrison. I also, I don't know, it was just an extraordinary opportunity. I got to sit in with the Dalai Lama's personal choir. I got to meet Gloria Steinem. It was really an exposure to ideas and art and culture that have stuck with me to this day. But then that time came that uh, the other really great thing about that experience is I met my husband and uh, <laughs> therefore that was an added benefit. That was the family pun. I signed up for that. Um, after that, I took a break to something else and I worked at Jack Morton Worldwide, which is a global branding agency. Um, I got to be on the fringes of the production of the opening and closing Olympics in Athens in 2004. And there I really got great exposure to the creative process, to strategy, to starting with the customer in mind. One of the things that we did at Jack Morton is talk to Home Depot because there was a, a request for proposals about their 20th anniversary at that time. And our team went in with no creative because usually go in, you pitch the theme for that event. And our team went in and said, you know what? we're not gonna pitch anything because what we're gonna do first is we're going to ask your managers what they wanna hear. And oh, it was like, that was the customer experience of 101, right? Oh my there. gosh, right? <laughs> Instead of selling what are the ideas we create, 
what does that what does the audience want and that that really struck stuck with me so we did that for a while and then um, uh, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, and I'm a middle child. So when it came time to leave and go to school, I went away and never came back. Then both of my parents passed away and my husband said, why do we live away from the people we love the most? So we packed up our kit bags and moved to Columbus. The job at the library was marketing director and it was going to be a two-year transition job for me. Mm -hmm. And I have just passed 16 and a half years of being here. I was marketing director at a time when libraries didn't really have a deep understanding, even a not deep understanding of what marketing was. And I came in and um, tried to bring marketing practice into the library. And I will say, while I was successful in that, I had to learn how to be a different leader. I thought, oh, I know what I'm doing. Why are people asking me what I'm doing? I realized when I got this role, I had to be a different leader and I had to bring people along with me and take the time for people to feel smart, to own what we're doing, to feel a part of it. And it took the process longer, but I'll, I always say we went further because we went slower than I would have originally thought we would have done. And when uh, this job, uh, we had a vacancy, we usually in libraries, they're deputy directors and our CEO, who's just the most extraordinary leader, I worked very closely with him. And I actually wrote the job description with him for this position. And I was talking to him one time, he was, I remember standing in his doorway and he said, so um, Allison, you haven't applied for that job yet. And I said, uh, no, but I am. Um, so I got the message, but I hadn't considered it because I thought no one would accept me in that role as a non-librarian, which is one of the reasons I made a particular point in um, being a different kind of leader in order to help people understand what I could bring. And that through collaborating with people who had that professional degree, who brought great rigor around that, but I could look at things differently and together we got to a better answer. So, um, you know, I've been doing this now since uh, May of 2012 and it's just been an extraordinary opportunity. What, what a fascinating career path. And I think it demonstrates to our listeners that getting the variety of background that you had and experiences really helps you, really help prepare you well for the role you're in now. Absolutely. Sometimes you talk about walking in other people's shoes, right? Um, yep. uh, but certainly those experiences help you. I, I was just talking to uh, a young woman in our organization who is interested in customer experience and she had gone to her boss who went to me to say she's interested. What can, you know, true, true librarian way, what books could you recommend? I said, well, let's set up a call. I'll talk to her. And she asked me what advice I'd give her. And I said, get as many different jobs as you can. Because uh, at least for me, um, other people have a, a particular talent. Um, I'm a, I'm a con conceptual thinker. I am not the person who digs into spreadsheets and, but, but I can see an idea and I can execute it. 
I can understand its applicability to what we're trying to do. So for me, having more exposure to different kinds of thinking was a better approach for me. So if, you, if you're anything like me, don't just because it's a job you like, take opportunities to do and explore other, 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 other exposures. Right. So one thing you said uh, was uh, among the many intriguing things that you said was uh, you didn't think you get the CXO job because you weren't a librarian. And, um, and, you know, I spent many years working with law librarians and I know that that's a highly professional profession and mm -hmm. very close knit uh, uh, profession as well. But I, I want to translate that a little bit into, uh, I imagine that other professionals that are CX professionals that are listening might say to themselves, I, you know, I'm not this, therefore I couldn't do that. And what you brought and said was, hey, those different experiences helped me have a different perspective on what we were trying to do and out of the box kind of approach. So professionals should take solace in that, right? If they don't have the exact background, CX could be transferable because of a different perspective. I think that's exactly right. And, um, you know, there are very definitive, well-respected and necessary attributes to library science that enables a library to run. Mm -hmm. We had those down cold, but how do we evolve? And it's hard to evolve when you're focused on what those rules are. And because we have those foundations and my direct reports are, are just stellar at that. What I can do is, is come in and say, all right, that's how we run it, but our customers don't get that. So how can we take what are our, our needs, operational needs, but how can we take a customer perspective and layer that around it? You know, for, I never will forget one of the predecessors who had this role early on, when I first started, she was very proud of the fact that um, our customers had learned how we process things. We trained them well, she said. And I thought, wow, why would you train them <laughs> instead of <laughs> understanding what they want? And golly, don't we all right now need to accelerate our paying attention to that because guess what? In an unbelievable upending of everyone's traditional businesses, the customers in this last year have driven what they want. And we, it's they, I feel like customers now are the driver instead of what our operational standards used to be the driver. You know, I think, for example, um, I, it's, these may seem lame examples because they're so pedestrian and yet they, we were slow to adapt curbside service. We'd want to do it a long time. And I was saying, you know, you're a suburban mom and a, got a bunch of kids. You don't have to get out of the car and go get your, your materials and come back to, why can't we do curbside? Um, we couldn't get that accomplished. Well, guess what we did <laughs> time. and we're never going back. Right. 
I, I know people, people talk so much about getting back to the way it was. Mm-mm. There are some things that we're doing now that we don't want to go back to the way it was, right? We want to keep it. That's right. And, you know, just I, I, whatever I really worry, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone for any retail or anyone who depends on customers, is their behaviors change so dramatically how do we get them back in the way that we've already invested in? By that, I mean, we're building 14 new libraries. We've been working on that. I've led the design on that from a customer experience perspective. And they've been built on a model that was upended in the last year. Mm. Is that, are those spaces adaptive enough? Are we adaptive enough to bring people back in a model that, now is different or are people going to be so tired (laughs) of talking on zoom meetings that they're like for heaven's sakes i just want to see somebody face to face it is all unknown the other thing that's intriguing too is we had a hiring freeze and so we have nearly 200 vacancies we need to start rehiring those positions but we know those Positions are not a one-to-one to to the work we did before. So how do we anticipate what those new positions are going to need to be? And, you know, what we have found as uh, time marches on, the need for people to handle the materials, you know, checking in books, getting them on shelves has dramatically decreased. So we don't need people to do that but we still have people coming to us to, for a personal touch, for, a, for help, because we are open retail hours, we're free, anyone can come in. So we see and deal with everything. We're actually talking about hiring social workers because our community is so in need and it's hard for those people in need to get access to the help they need. So we're even looking at completely upending how we how we hire. Um, our, our local school district lost track of 50% of their students when uh, we were in a virtual environment and only 20% of their seniors are graduating. Oh. All right, there's a, there's a community need that we now have to think about what kinds of support we can give to that customer base and not just Hey, we can help you. We know how to teach people how to read. Come on, you know, what do those kids and families really need? So we're having to go out in the community and talk to those kids and families to say, how can we best serve you? And think about a library that used to be structured in such a traditional manner. That's a complete upending of a, of a business. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, really am impressed with the thought process around hiring and what the new, you know, not just going out and replacing the people that you need, but thinking strategically about what those roles will be going forward. Uh, I think oftentimes we lose sight of that. We know customer expectations have changed, but do we carry that all the way through the hiring process and the roles and responsibilities and the behaviors that we need in this new environment? Well, and we have to particularly think about it because um, unlike other, some other industries, our people stay for a long time. I mean, look at me. I've been here longer than any other job I've ever had. 
And, you know, we have regular, we have, we just recently lost a woman who, had, who was hired in the Eisenhower era. No kidding. She passed away, not at work, thank goodness, but she was 83. Oh my gosh. So our people stay a long time. So we need to either hire people who are super flexible or get a, get our arms around what this next iteration is really going to look like. Exactly. Uh, just a reminder, listeners, you're listening to Allison Circle, uh, my guest today on the All Things Considered CX podcast. Allison, talk to us a little bit. You, you've provided some great highlights about some things you're doing at the library uh, and the library system in Columbus. What about, and, and feel free to share more of that, but also what is your view of CX as we emerge from the pandemic? What are some of the trends or uh, perspectives you have on CX uh, and CX professionals? Oh, well, here's one thing. And um, I always feel like I'm the oddball in the CX conversation because I'm not in uh, the data analytics part. I'm not in um, a lot of these other data-driven pieces of it. I'm really in the emotion and the feeling piece of it, which I think in in CX conversations is not talked about enough, that we quickly go to a more left brain type of understanding of CX. And for me, that is limiting. And it is for organizations such as mine, not comprehensive enough because we are all about feeling and about how you walk into a space. How do, how, first off, how hard and easy is it to get there? We've worked diligently to make that a, as easy as possible. And then how, when I walk in and I step in, do I feel like I belong? So I want, I want us to pay a lot of attention to that. I, I, I feel that people who are tapping into the CX Oh, what you know that trend, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. are 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 kind of glomming on to what is easy around that because it's a term that attracts attention. But to really do it well, as we all understand, has complexity to it. It kind of make, reminds me when I started at the library. It was a lot about marketing. Well, you know, somebody likes to draw, so let's put her in. She can run the marketing department. Well, that's not what marketing is remotely about. So I worry that sometimes CX um, is uh, self-defining by people rather than, than really what I think is so impressive about what the CXPA has done, which is to say, okay, here, here are the tent poles of what this practice is and driving adaptation to that practice so that there's consistency among organizations rather than all this inconsistency. So, you know, I might see a job listing for a CX job and it might be totally all about NPS scores. So I'm not even, you know, but <laughs> is there, that, that's not me, but is there, um, is there greater, like if I'm an accountant, I kind of understand, I think, if I see an accounting job, what I need to do. Right. It's certainly well-defined and everybody could, even if you're not an accountant, you could probably list what accountants do. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. to your point. 
Um, now, you mentioned um, the CXPA, and I, uh, but I'm not sure in your introduction, you mentioned that you're a respected board member of the CXPA. I am. Uh, which is wonderful. I enjoyed working with you during our time together. Uh, what's happening at the CXPA these days? Do you have uh, some things you could share with us from your perspective? Oh, I think the um, thanks to previous members of the board of directors who are on this call. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, the um, CXPA has hired an energetic, visionary team who inspire me constantly. And the content delivery has become just eye-poppingly robust. It is committed to reaching a broad audience with as much relevant content as possible. We're excited that we're going to be able to gather again next year for the annual Insight Exchange from which I have learned so much and has inspired me tremendously. And expanding the CCXP credentials, which I think you are, aren't you, Bob? I'm a CCXP. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, to help stake the claim uh, that the CXPA was designed to do about what is the rigor that constitutes CX. Uh, we've started to really expand internationally. We have international new board members and also really paying att attention to racial equity across the CX profession, as well as the customer experience itself. And that's something I, in particular, I, I work very deeply with that in our organization for work. And I, I carry that same passion into the CXPA. That's, that's uh, outstanding, Allison. And that comment along with one you made earlier about even considering hiring social workers and your presence in the community I recently wrote an article, and I'm, my intent is not to self-promote here, but I really uh, want to seek your input on this. I wrote an article about the importance of keeping uh, social responsibility at the front of cent front and center of any CX strategy mm -hmm. that you design, and it feels to me like that's what you're doing at the library and and with CXPA. Am I right in that feeling? Just I think that is right, and um, I, I was just this week on a. Um, a webinar for International Women's Day. And one of the uh, presenters along with me said at the end, we're people who are in CX, we're nice people. We care and we care about each other. So if you have any need to reach out, we're more than happy to help. And I think in the micro that's true, but it's also in the macro that we all care about the work that we do in making it better. I mean, that's inherent to, to CX, isn't it? It's like you want your customers to have a, have a good experience. So they feel good. They have a, you know, they have a positive interaction with you. That's gotta be guided towards making the world a better place. And golly, don't we know that it has been rough this last year. And we all need that extra care that comes to us through a very positive customer experience. Mm -hmm. No question about that. Allison, this has been a wonderful conversation. I always want to ask our guests at the very end and give them the opportunity to share any advice or counsel you might have 
for CX professionals, both those well-established professionals and those uh, coming into the profession for maybe the first time? What, what, what uh, counsel and advice can you give our listeners? Um, I guess I have, I'll say three things. One is um, stay curious. It, we're in such a fast paced moving world right now. There's so many opportunities that one could pursue if you're curious about how to um, advance your career. I think that's really important. I would say be brave. There were many times both as a marketing director and in this current role when it was rough because you're doing something different than perhaps people are used to, but you just got to be brave, be humble, but be brave to know that this work matters. And people who don't understand it react in fear. So be brave, bring them along so that they feel smart about what you're doing. So they feel a part of it. And then I'll echo what my co-panelist said is, my experience is that everyone in this profession is open to helping and uplifting each other. So anyone who has questions or needs help, the CXPA has mentors, you know, I think anyone can email me with a question. I talk to libraries probably at least once a week about um, how, what we're doing, I have talked to so many other organizations because they're trying to see how to find a way. And we all just want to share so that we all in the end can make the world a better place. Such wonderful words to live by and such great advice. And Allison, if our listeners wanna learn more or, or connect with you, I'm assuming you're on LinkedIn, but are there other uh, ways to get in contact with you? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is really the easiest way that um, it's probably, or you know, if anybody has a, a specific question, I have probably the world's easiest email address, which is a circle, a C-I-R-C-L-E, <laughs> a circle at columbuslibrary.org. So I'm happy to um, be whatever help I can be to anyone who would find need of it. Oh, that's fantastic. And I, and I would echo Allison's comments about the CX community being uh, one of the most open and welcoming and, and engaging communities when you need help. And, and I hope our listeners will also reach out to members of the community when they, when they need that help because everybody seems to share very openly and freely. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much, Allison, for a wonderful conversation. Thank listeners. You, Bob. You bet. Uh, I appreciate how busy you are and that you took the time to, to talk to us. Uh, listeners, you've been listening to another episode of All Things Considered CX with Allison Circle. Please, uh, if you've enjoyed this session, share it in your network and stay tuned for future episodes of this podcast. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. 
Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.